beautiful friendship. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, it is episode 210 of After the Ending. What? <laughs> like, let's do a time gate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we skipped ahead. We traveled in, in time ahead, 58 episodes. Everything's uh, so much better. Episode. Everything's working better in the world, Mike. The world's a beautiful oh, place. Yeah. I wish Everybody's that were true. That's why we did it. We skipped ahead because we were hoping we could skip through some of the garbage that's going on in the world right now. Um, so I, to, to explain to people, I don't want people to be confused when they go from, wait a minute, last week was episode like 151. Why are we at episode 210 now? Uh, it's been I'll, I'll, full disclosure. I like to give you guys that peek behind the curtain. Um, I get annoyed with the fact that we our numbers are off because we recorded we've recorded 151 full episodes, but we also recorded 58 mini episodes back in the day and we numbered them separately. And I feel like those still count as episodes. You know, they were pretty lengthy. Some of them like most some of them were like pretty much like full episodes. And I don't like that. Like you look at our numbers and it feels like we've done 50 less episodes than than we have. And it kind of it takes away from how long we've been doing this. So I decided to update our numbering. So I added the mini episodes to our regular episode numbers. And that brings us to episode number 210. Or as I like to say, for those of you who are familiar with the comics, it's legacy numbering 152. So I don't want anybody to think they missed 50 episodes in there. You didn't. But we're updating it from now on. We're going to go from episode 210 on because that's how many episodes we've recorded. Whether they were longer or shorter, it doesn't matter. So Yeah, we work, we work hard, and those many episodes deserve to be recognized. As those many episodes. episodes were a lot of fun, actually. I oh, always yeah, enjoyed yeah. those. If you guys haven't listened to those, they're, they're you know, about a half an hour usually, so a little bit shorter, but they were a lot of fun. We did some fun stuff with those. Yeah, that's before we went video, so it's if you go to any podcast places, SoundCloud, right. iTunes, what have you, all, you'll be able to go back and listen to them. Exactly. So, clearly so um, for our 210th episode, Phil, would you like to tell people what we are discussing tonight? I would indeed. We're going to be going after the ending of a Kevin Costner film and No Way Out. So we'll be discussing the plot of the film. So spoilers ahead if you've not seen it. It's an old film, but it's worth going into cold if you've not seen it because a twisty turny kind of film. Mm-hmm. We're also then going to be talking about some other bits and pieces and discussing five films but we'll, we'll both be picking five films that we don't think we've spoken about on the podcast before and as we're now we've done 209 episodes before this one we've covered a lot of films so there's yeah. a chance we may have just forgotten because our memory is not as good as it was when we started back in the day so we will wait and see but there could be yeah. some films good bad just obscure ones or just something which slipped by well, well hopefully we'll mostly good. you can leave comments on wherever you're watching this live on facebook uh, YouTube, uh, what have you, and we can see them and uh, respond to them so you can join the conversation as the episode goes on. Yeah, please, please do. I'm, I'm really excited about our top five list tonight. Um, it's, you know, hopefully good films. I mean, that was sort of my approach. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but I'm also excited to talk about No Way Out, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for this whole episode, so you might get a slightly amped up mic tonight. I hope that's okay for everybody <laughs> listening. Usually that means some, some fun stuff. So, Oh, and I forgot as well, there'll be some 
recommendations at the very end of things which yes. may be not formulated, just things which have had our interest over the past week or so. Absolutely. All right. So now let's let's kick things off then by getting into uh, our first film that we're going to go after the ending of. And it is, like you said, No Way Out. So let's let's start off by talking a little bit about how we feel about it before we get into our endings. Phil, um, I think I know the answer to this question, but how do you feel about No Way Out? I, I, oh, I really love it. It's a, it's a great film. It was one of those ones I used to see uh, the video cover when I was a kid because it's from 1987, or and the trailer was out and everything. The cover has got a gratuitous uh, Kevin Costner nipple on display. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's him and John Young uh, cuddling, and it's got Gene Hackman's face and that, but it's when I finally saw the thriller, I went, oh, that looks good, because it's a, it's a real good conspiracy thriller kind of on-the-run kind of film. And when I finally did get to watch it, I think it was a, a bit of a time after 1987, but I loved the way it just... I didn't know what was going to happen, what was where it was going to go, but it's got Gene Hackman, Sean Young, Kevin Costner, Will Patton as well. I think it was the first film I'd seen Will Patton in. Love Will Patton. But He's I just love the way it developed and the twists and turns. And when you, there's, there's lots of different points I was going, but hold on, that means... <laughs> well, that kind yeah. of thing. What about you? What did you think of it? Well, you may have gotten a clue when I did my double fist pump when we mentioned yeah. No Way Out. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of this movie. I love it. I think it's brilliant. I'm a huge Kevin Costner fan. I think I've settled on at this point in my life that Kevin Costner might just be my favorite actor, um, which is a bold statement because we like a lot of actors. But I think, honestly, Kevin Costner is just my favorite. I, I love Kevin Costner. But this movie is amazing. I remember seeing it. Right, I think I probably saw it like you, but pretty soon after it came out, not in theaters because I was relatively young, but I did see it on video pretty, pretty straight away. And I think it's brilliant. It's it just gets more and more tense and taut as it goes along, and more suspenseful as it goes along. And then it has yeah. that brilliant ending. Um, and I think it's just a masterpiece. I love it. It starts a tad bit on the slow side in the first 10, 15 minutes, but man, once it gets going, it is just like, you are like legitimately, that's the kind of movie they invented the phrase you're on the edge of your seat for, yeah, you know, definitely. Um, and interesting. Cause I watch it every couple of years, like every three, four years, I pop it in and watch it in cause I have to, um, last time I watched it, I noticed that Brad Pitt was a, a, a full on true legit extra in the movie he's in a party um, scene uh early on you see him you hear him laugh that's what was really made me that's what cemented for me that i was like that's definitely brad pitt you hear his laugh but it doesn't even have a line he's on camera for about maybe three seconds max so he was like a true like just an extra in a party scene um which i find very interesting as well that's interesting yeah yeah okay. well, i've not seen it in a few years so i'll have to track it down and uh, i might uh, tomorrow morning yeah, next I might time you watch time. it yeah. yeah, when you're watching that party scene in the beginning, just look for him. He's in a tux. He laughs. You can't really miss it once you know he's there. So, um, but but I absolutely love this movie. I love it, and I'm, I was actually surprised we hadn't done an after the ending for it before. So that that was kind of a neat uh, a neat thing to figure out. So yeah, so no way out. I'm excited. All right, so let me give you guys the deets, and then we'll get into our endings. How's that sound, Phil? That sounds good to me. Okay, now. Here's where I'll, let me. I'm going to start, and then I'm going to give you guys a warning. So first of all, No Way Out from 1987, directed by Roger Donaldson, a very good director, with Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, Sean Young, and Will Patton, as you mentioned. Massive spoiler alert territory coming up here. I'm going to give you guys the plot of the film. There is a major twist in the film that you, if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend you skip the after the ending portion of the show and just go right to our top five list. If you're watching it pre-recorded, if you're watching live and you've never seen no way out, 
maybe mute for the next 30 seconds or so. Well, even longer than that, but because it's a, it, it, you don't want this movie to be spoiled for you. And the ending is so awesome. Um, so, full well, warning. When it, when you say that. So, when it's, uh, if you're watching it, put it on, and you don't want the spoiler, put it on mute. And then when it's safe, I will hold this up. That says safe. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Perfect. I like it. Okay. So, here we go. Lieutenant Commander Tom Farrell of the Office of Naval Intelligence is invited invited to a charity ball by his friend Scott Pritchard, who intends to introduce Tom to his boss, Secretary of Defense David Bryce. So a big muckamuck in the U.S. military and politics and all that. There, Farrell meets Susan Atwell, uh, and the two of them begin a passionate love affair. Tom learns, though, that Susan is also the mistress of said Secretary of Defense Bryce. When Bryce stops by at Susan's unexpectedly, they argue because he realizes she has another lover and he pushes her, causing her to fall and accidentally get killed. Bryce and Pritchard concoct a story about Susan's mysterious lover being a KGB spy named Yuri and a massive manhunt begins. All of the clues start to point to Tom because he was her lover uh, and he's trying to keep his name out of things. So he goes on the run basically through the Pentagon, through Washington, D.C., trying to cover his tracks and his identity before he's accused of murder and treason. Eventually, through a kind of convoluted series of events, Pritchard ends up committing suicide, and Bryce blames everything on him and says that he's Yuri the spy. But Tom has proof of Bryce's involvement, and he sends it to one of Bryce's political rivals at the CIA, basically ensuring his fate that he's going to be revealed as having killed Susan Atwell. Then at the end of the movie, Tom is picked up by a couple of agents and he's interrogated. And we find out in a final twist, spoiler alert, that Tom really is a Russian spy. He really was Yuri. And so he didn't want to get caught for more than one reason. And the film ends with him basically saying that he actually loves Susan and he's done being a spy. And he presumably goes on the run somewhere in America. And that is no way out. Thank you, Phil. Okay. So... Let's get into our endings. And I think, did I go first last week? I feel like I did, but I don't I know. I think you may have, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if you want to go first, then if not, I have a long one. So if you want to go first, okay. get mine is mine, mine's right. too long. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see what okay, you got. Okay. So uh, uh, Tom Farrell had spent the past few years keeping a low profile, changing his name, or have you moving around. Uh, I'm going to keep the same name as Farrell, just for ease of reference. He'd managed to evade both the U.S. and Russian governments who'd sent out various agents trying to find him. He'd been out of America a few times, but he, he always ended up coming back to the U.S. as he loved it there. He'd end up spending some time as a farmhand in Iowa, but the farmer, a man by uh, called Kinsella, had to let him go. He passed through uh, Durham in North Carolina and had almost been caught outside a minor league baseball game, but he managed <laughs> to get away. But eventually he made his way to Utah, and he seemed to have built himself a quiet life, working on a ranch. He had his own cabin where he spent time reading Shakespeare. Hmm. But then the Cold War that he'd been part of went hot and the missiles flew <laughs> <too> high. <laughs> Yet he managed to survive this nuclear war. It was tough going, obviously, but he managed to make a life avoiding looters and traveling from settlement to settlement, trading performances of Shakespeare uh, for food and shelter and water. Uh, during one of his, his travels, he had to he had to escape from some militia who were trying to forcibly recruit people, and he, he stumbled upon an old uh, an old farm which belonged to the the uh, I was going to say Royal Mail, but to the post office because it's America. But he, he ducked into the van, hid there from the militia, and he, he realised his clothes were ripped, so he he wore the postman's uniform and got the mailbag and headed out 
And little did he know how much his life would change once he put it on. And he also would eventually find it ironic that a Russian spy would end up eventually being the savior of American society as we know it. That is ironic. Very, very well done, sir. Here's some applause for you, some soft golf <laughs> applause, because you know how much I love The Postman. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, and uh, and and what I like about that is basically the timelines all line up. There's there's, I know we like to have fun by making our our characters into other characters they played in other movies, but there's legitimately no reason why No yeah. Way Out could not be a direct prequel or, or The Postman a direct sequel to No Way Out because it takes place it's like 20 years later. Right. He yeah. has no name in the postman. So we yeah. don't, you know, so. And even when he says, I think in the postman, he says something like that, what he used to do for a living, like he sold encyclopedias or something like refrigerators or something like that. But because he was a spy, of course, he's going to make up his backstory. Right. So yeah, it actually legitimately works as a sequel. I love that. Nice. That's done. what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. That's and it also like stars it. the postman also stars Will Patton as well. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, very cool. It's like coming together. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. All right. Okay. So well, I don't know if I can top that, but uh, I do have uh, an ending. So I guess I'll go ahead with it if that's okay with you. Yeah, go ahead. Hit All me. right. So, okay. Six years later, in 1993, Lieutenant Daniel Coffey of the Naval Judge Advocate General's office receives a phone call. My name is Tom, the man on the other end of the call says. I heard about what you did in the Guantanamo Bay case last year. I think you can help me. Daniel is dismissive at first, but the man gets his attention when he says, I'm the guy who brought down Secretary of State Bryce. Who are you? Coffee says. Tell me the truth. Farrell chuckles and says, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> so there's a little clue if you haven't picked up on who Daniel Coffey is yet there. Farrell, uh, uh, so intrigue, uh, Farrell hangs up and Daniel is intrigued. So he digs into Farrell's story, but finds it's marked as classified, which only makes him more determined to get to the truth. Coffee finally connects with his colleague, Harmon Rob Jr., or Rab Jr., I'm not sure, a high-ranking officer in the JAG who reveals Tom's true identity as a Russian spy and his role in the takedown of Bryce six years earlier. When Tom calls back, Daniel pointedly asks him what he wants. I want to come in, Tom says. I have valuable intel about the KGB's operations in the U.S., but I want full immunity. I know no Navy judge will willingly grant that to a Russian spy. You're the only person who might be able to pull it off. Tom refuses to come in until a deal is on the table. So Daniel reaches out to a man who was his instructor at the Naval Academy and is now the deputy director of the CIA, a man called Jack Ryan. <laughs> Together, they work to bring Tom in safely for a meeting. Tom is nervous and on edge, constantly on the lookout for agents who might be there to arrest him. But Coffee and Ryan reveal their plan, which involves using Farrell's intel to make a big bust and prove the validity of his info before pitching pitching the full deal to the naval higher-ups. Tom agrees and gives the location of a Russian safe house, which is raided and nets the capture of four illegal Russian agents. Satisfied that Coffee and Ryan have a chance at winning, Tom agrees to turn himself in. A few weeks later, as Tom and Daniel prepare to enter military court to decide Tom's fate, he looks at Daniel and says, thanks, kid. I mentally defected to the U.S. years ago. I was never planning on turning secrets over to the KGB. Then when the Bryce situation happened, I was stuck. Daniel smiles his million dollar smile and says don't worry there's always a way out and that's the end oh brilliant i like that yeah i could Thanks. see that because so instead of the being... Go ahead. yeah because the characters and everything are where they are and what they're involved in i, I could see that would that makes total sense though coming across uh, tom cruise's uh lawyer from a few good men so 
I did a surprising amount of research on this one for, to make sure everything lined up because I get that way sometimes. It's because so No Way Out was in '87, and then A Few yeah. Good Men came out in '92. So I said it in '93, the year after he had his trial with Jack Nicholson. Figure I figured that works right. The the yeah. other character of Harmon Rab was um, from the show Jag, which was very popular here in the U.S. Ran I for like so. Yeah, I can remember the names of the characters. So he would have been in play because that show started in the '90s, and then. Jack Ryan, I checked because I was like, was he in which branch? Was he? he was a former U.S. Marine, but he ended up teaching at the Naval Academy and then went on to uh, become the director, yeah. director in the series of books. He became the deputy director of the CIA. So that all end up time-wise as actual things that would tie into the Navy, which is maybe a little more information that anybody cared about. But this is how seriously I take this. I work hard for you, for our fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want them yeah. to know. No, it works. But, it all fits together. It's uh, I've I've done all I've done a fact checking as we were speaking. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad it worked yeah. out. No, good. I like that. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So those are our endings for No Way Out. Uh, if you if you were still listening uh, and you missed the synopsis, you probably got some spoilers there anyway. Sorry about that. But you know the movie is 35 years old. I can only do so much for you guys. We try and avoid spoilers as much as possible. But you know. Good stuff. In service to our endings, we have to sometimes spoil a little bit. But now we're done. No more spoilers. Yeah, that's it. So that's uh, that's the after the ending of No Way Out. But you know what? You know what, Mike? What? You know I do like uh, changing the subject a bit. You know I do like backing stuff on Kickstarter. Like uh, yes, yes, I've seen games, you back a lot books, of comics. So one of my recommendations actually. Going, okay, well we'll get to that later. Right. But I'm in a bit of a funk as I, I don't really know what to back next. Uh, I've been looking at Kickstarter. There's lots of things. Look, I keep saying and going, should I back that? Should I back this? But I don't know what to back next. And I was wondering, Mike, do you have any suggestions? Well, funny you should ask, actually, <gasps> because I, I do have a suggestion. As a I knew I should have asked you. That's brilliant. <laughs> and um, said suggestion is, if I can, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to talk and, and type at the same time. It's not usually a good idea. Uh, said suggestion would be to visit the link that I'm about to put on the screen here, right there. And you can support Red, White, and Broke, the 120-page graphic novel. Now, some of you guys who have been on the show have been listening or watching it for a long time may remember I've done a few Kickstarters before for my comic Red, White, and Broke. It's a four-issue miniseries. We finished it uh, earlier this year, and now I'm kickstarting the full collection of all four issues with over 20 pages of bonus material. It's going to be Every single variant cover we had, 14 in total. Uh, sketches from big-name artists like Gene Ha and Russ Brown and Livio Raymondelli and Paul Pelletier and, uh, you know, all kinds of cool people. There's going to be, like, layouts and preliminaries and all kinds of commentary from me. Um, and it's going to be super cool. And if you like this show, I have to say, you're going to like the comic because it's the same voice that I use on the show I bring to the comic. It's a superhero comedy about a superhero can't pay his bills because every time he flies off to save the world he gets fired which is what would happen in the real world so he goes on kickstarter and launches a campaign to crowdfund his superheroics so i mean if that's not 21st century realism in a comic book i don't know what is but it's a lot of fun and um our campaign is going along nicely but it's a little slow at the moment so we could definitely use some support so if you've enjoyed red uh if you well, if you've enjoyed Red White and Broke, but if you've enjoyed um, after the ending over the years, or you're a new listener, a new watcher, but you like what we do, um, please, please, please 
take a few minutes and visit the link you see on the screen, or you can just go to Kickstarter and search for my name, Mike Spring, or you can search for Red, White, and Broke, and you will find it. We have some awesome rewards. I don't have a picture of it handy because we haven't printed them yet, but our our variant cover is by Russ Brown, who's the artist of The Boys. You know, that show that everybody is watching. Like he oh, was, yeah, yeah, he was one of the main artists on the show for like 50 issues or on the comic. And he did my alternate cover. And every copy of the cover that he did comes signed by him, autographed by Russ Brown himself. That's no small thing, you guys. So it's pretty cool. Got some neat collectible stuff. It's a great story. Um, so Phil, that would be my recommendation. So, well, you've got me there. I'm going to, I think I'm going to back that right now. I appreciate and also, it. While I do that, you just reminded me because talking about the boys a few weeks back, we did, uh, we did speak to Garth Ennis, current right. creator of the boys. Uh, so if you want to go back in our past episodes, we've got a big, uh, after the ending special where we spoke to him for about an hour, talking about the boys and lots of other comics. And it was but, an uh, yes, I'm going to go on Kickstarter right now and back Mike Springs, red, white and broke graphic Let novel. Let me check. Let me check. Um, oh, oh, look at that. A pledge from Phil Phil Edwards. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. And joking aside, I have actually backed it, everybody. So I'm not just saying that. Yes, he has. And I appreciate that. I did see that come through. And I, I do appreciate your support, as always. Um, I know it's a bummer that, well, when we see, next time we get together at, at uh, Comic-Con, I'll bring you some physical copies. You've always pledged on the digital just because the shipping to the UK is so expensive. Um, yeah. But I, I'll, I'll have a nice little, a nice little, you know, best friend package put together for you um, yes. on me next time. I we get to podcast. Episodes, I'm going to get a comic book. Right. 200 episodes, you should get a couple of free comics. Yeah. It's totally, totally a good deal on your end. That was definitely not a waste of your time. I'm playing all. the long con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, so thank you for mentioning that, Phil. Uh, this is the URL again. It's tinyurl.com slash rwbbook or, or just go to Kickstarter, search for my name. I really, really, truly greatly appreciate everybody who checks it out, everybody who pledges. Um, we really need your help to get this book printed. It is expensive to print graphic novels, but um, it's been a really popular. People have really enjoyed it. So thank you all for checking that out. It is it is good fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and there's uh, our advert out the way. Uh, That's now, right. On, on with the show. On with the show. All right. So now we're going to do our top five movies we've never talked about on the show before. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm very excited about this list because, well, for a number of reasons. One, it was my idea, um, and I always think all my ideas are great. But um, I thought it would be a fun challenge because we've talked about so many movies. And for people who have not been listening for a long time, let's discuss, Phil. What are all the different segments we've done where we talk about movies? Let's let's think about it for a second. Well, okay? we did do – we. We did do our top hundred films of the past. A hundred, yeah, top ten, yeah, top, yeah, top 10, ten films of the last hundred years. Yeah, we went through every year, so that there's a lot of films. That's a thousand movies right there. Oh, well, minimum yeah, yeah. of a thousand movies, right? Because we didn't have the same list. Yeah. So even though there was some overlap, you know, we did a, a, a hundred years of movies. We did our top ten for every year. And you figure without overlap, you probably so that probably is about fifteen hundred movies we've covered there. I would say. Yeah, then and we then we've also done the after the ending, right? Because some of them will have been in those the top the top ten of the hundred years, but there's lots of them which haven't been. Yeah. So we did about one hundred and fifty episodes where we did two after the ending. So that's like three hundred more movies we've talked about. Yeah. Um, we also did our mini episodes. And our current top five list, where we talk about our top five this kind of movie, or our top five soundtracks, or our top five whatever. And that's a lot of lists that we've done with a lot of movies that don't always make the top ten. Yeah. 
we've and also then, started doing within the top five, like the last five films we'd watched as well, which covers up a few films and bits and pieces which wouldn't normally be spoken about. Exactly. And then for a little while pre-COVID, we were doing like our top five actors and directors movies, like top five Tom Cruise movies, top 10 Steven Spielberg movies, right? Which also gave yeah. us a new chance. So we've covered literally thousands of movies and then just things we've talked about in general, like popular movies that come out in the theater or our recommendations, you know, all kinds of stuff. So to find movies that we have never talked about on screen before, um, that's, that's not easy. You know, or yeah. <laughs> so I thought it'd be fun, and I thought it was a, a fun way to, to get to talk about a few movies that are deserving of a mention. They just never fit into. Maybe they're not quite good enough to make a top five or top ten list. We've never done them as of after the ending, you know, but they're still worth mentioning. So I feel like there's there's some fun to be had here. Definitely, yeah. And I must admit, when I've been putting this together, I know we're calling it the top five films we never talked about, but it's basically five films each that we've never talked about, because... right? Because uh, every single one I've picked, I've gone, well, have we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I definitely felt the same way. And I have a list of about 10 other movies that I wanted to put on the list. But I was like, I feel like it's come up at some point or another. Um, so I left it off. But um, I did. Now, now let's talk quick, quickly. I like, to, I like to share our process. Now, I personally went with five films that I actually really enjoy that we've never talked about. Rather than just films that I thought were talkable. Yeah, that we've never talked about. You know what I'm saying? What was your process like for that? Well, a bit, a bit the same. It was five films, five films that I've enjoyed, but then I had to throw them all out the way because I knew we'd spoken about them. Right. Uh, and then it was just I started thinking about actors and things like that, and picking some of the, of the films that I liked, which uh, I don't think I'd spoke about. And then there's a few others which sparked me where I've gone. Well, I remember watching that, and it wasn't too bad. So I think mm -hmm. there's a mix of things where I really like them, some which I thought were okay. I don't think there's any which I absolutely hated. Right. But there's lots. I think most of them, there could be a point where you could go, oh, well, actually, now I think we did talk about that. Or well, and that's, long -term yeah. listeners might go. That can be some of the extra fun of this of this segment is we're 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 going to sort of try and watchdog each other. And so if we remember that one of us has talked about this, or if we go, I think you did talk about that, we have to try and well, I don't know, we'll strike it from the record and see if we can pick a different one from our list or something. So we do have some backups because yeah, there might be one where it's yeah. like, yeah. I've never talked about this, and then you're going to be like, Yeah, we talked about that a month ago. What are you talking about? So uh, it'll be fun to see if we're how good our memories are, um, and if any of our listeners or viewers who are watching live catch us on something that you know we've talked about please feel free to call us out in the comments because that could be fun too so or annoying but i get hopefully fun <laughs> okay let's get the all right in the list of the the master list of films we've done as well for the after the ending oh good idea good idea so pretty sure i forgot to check on myself so we'll say anyway yeah you're right um well you went first on the uh after the ending so i guess i'm going first on this then that makes sense right yeah 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 all right so my number five, then, I actually happen to have the DVD of it right here, which is part of what sparked it making it onto my list. So I'll just show it off anyway. It's called Best Men. It's from 1997. Uh, it is a comedy, maybe kind of an action comedy, more comedy than action, though, starring uh, Dean Cain, uh, well, Drew Barrymore, Dean Cain, Andy Dick, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Luke Wilson. So kind of a, a bit of a 90s who's who there. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those movies I discovered when it came out. I think I rented it on vhs probably most most likely when it first came out um but it's a really fun movie it's uh uh drew barrymore 
is engaged to be married to Luke Wilson. It's his first day out of jail for some petty crime. And on the way, she sends all of his groomsmen to go pick him up from jail. On the way back, one of them stops at the bank to get some money and he robs it. And they all end up inside the bank with the police surrounding them. And it becomes this like hostage situation. This guy just wants to get out so he can get married. And they've got to try and figure out how to, you know, how to save the day and all that stuff. It's a really fun movie. It's a good comedy. The cast is all people, you know, they're all very likable. Um, you know, I, I just find it a really endearing film. It's one of those ones I rewatched a couple years back and I felt like it held up really, really well. I still found it super enjoyable. It's not a well-known movie, um, but worth tracking down if you have, the wherewithal. So it's called Best Men from 1997. Um, and it's a fun little comedy that I don't think I've ever talked about before. Yeah, I don't think. Ring any bells for you? Film, a few films we've had mentioned where it's something man, things like that, but I don't recall you talking about that. I don't I don't recall the film itself, to be honest. So it, it, I don't remember if it went straight to video or if it was like just limited in theaters. It wasn't a hit or anything like that at all. I think yeah. it was whatever it was, but it's, it's a good film. I definitely think it's worth uh, tracking down. Well, a good start, a good start. Okay, well, mine is one from 2005, and it's uh, classed as a sci-fi psychological thriller starring Adrian Brody and Keira Knightley and Chris Christopherson. It's called The Jacket. Mm. Okay. Which, it involves uh, uh, Adrian Brody's character. He's in a, an institute, and he's being tested. Uh, he's got some issues and things like that, but they, he has this new procedure where he's uh, given I think he's given a drug and put in a straight jacket and I'm putting a, a jacket of the title then he's putting like a, a, a drawer like in a morgue but he finds that he then he wakes up and he's in the future and it keeps happening and he can talk to people in the future and then he realizes he can start changing things so it's a bit like uh, it's a mix between butterfly effect and Jacob's ladder in some kind of way I remember I don't think it did very well at the the box office but I remember seeing it and enjoying it for the fact it was this weird kind of thriller didn't know which way it was going to go uh wasn't quite sure whether it was real or not because of his the reasons why he was in there i think he was a war veteran as well he'd had a bullet wound to the head uh so you weren't sure whether he was just an unreliable narrator whether it was all in his mind things like that but it was it was really good the way it developed and good performances from what i recall i only saw it back when it came out hmm. so i could watch it now and it might be a pile of yeah but uh at the time, I enjoyed it, and uh, that's that's my first one in this list. All right, very good. And I, I, I don't recall you ever having talked about it. I am familiar with the movie. I, I've never seen it myself, actually. I don't think I have anyway. Um, so maybe I'll check that out, but I don't recall you ever discussing it. So I think I think we're two for two. Oh, um, if somebody good. wants to listen to all 209 episodes <laughs> after we're done with this and, and, and double-check us, that would be great. So if you guys could jump on that, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> Um, I should mention also that part of our kind of criteria for this was like not just picking like new films that came out that we just haven't had a chance to talk about yeah, yet, yeah. like Top That'd Gun be... Maverick or something like that. And then being like, well, we never talked about it. Yeah, because it came out a month ago. Like it's older films that we've had plenty of chances to talk about, but never have. That's sort of the conceit of the list. So otherwise, we could just pick a whole bunch of movies from 2022 and that'd be pretty easy, you know? Yeah, pretty easy, though. All right, my number four is from 2001, uh, and it stars Ryan Phillippe, Rachel Lee Cook, Claire Forlani, and Tim Robbins. Do you know which movie it is? I remember the cast being together. I can't think what it's called. It's called Antitrust. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It is a very, very 90s thriller that just happened to come out in 2001, and I love me some 90s thrillers. Basically, Ryan Phillippe plays this, like, computer prodigy. He gets poached by Tim Robbins, his character, who's very much a, like, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates uh, yeah. 
um, but is a little bit sinister in trying to get his product out. And so then things start happening. Uh, one of Ryan Phillippe's friends gets killed, you know, that kind of thing. And so it becomes this very kind of paranoid conspiracy thriller as he's trying to get proof of this stuff. And, you know, and it's one of those movies. It is not, not a masterpiece. You know, it wasn't a huge box office hit, um, but it's one of those films that I've seen more times than I would expect because I, I really like it. It's just, it's a good thriller. It's fun. It's engaging. has a great soundtrack. It's a pretty young cast of people that you know. I watched it a few months back with my daughter, my teenage daughter. She really liked it, too, because it holds up. Even I mean, the technology, of course, is a little bit dated, but like, although it surprisingly isn't as dated as, as you would think for some movies from from back then where the computer stuff can be really painful. This one was cutting yeah, edge at the time you. enough that it doesn't feel completely out of date but there's some good twists and turns and, and if you wait long enough between watches like i did you kind of forget who's who and what's what because there's some twists and you're when you watch it when i was watching it this last time i was like wait okay is this person good or bad i can't remember this and that you know um but it's just a really enjoyable film but it's again it's not it's nothing so great that it would have ever made any of my top lists um but it's fun it's enjoyable it's 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 a, it's a good way to kill 90 minutes so i'm pretty sure i've never talked about it but that's my number four antitrust with uh, ryan Phillippe. Yeah, I don't recall. I remember the film. Uh, yep. I remember enjoying it. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it though. So that's another one. Yep. Okay. Uh, my next one is from 2006, and it's a Canadian zombie comedy. Okay. Starring, uh, is that the Cohen, actual name? Marianne Moss called Fido. Oh, oh yeah, Fido. That's a yeah. good movie. Yeah, because I was going through and it popped up some, some other things, and I remember going, "Oh yeah, I remember enjoying that film." I totally yeah. forgot about it until. Right. Me too. So I. That's one of the reasons why I don't think I've ever spoken about it before. Right. But, uh, I, I really liked it. For those it's you've not seen it, it's like uh it's like during the nineteen fifties there was something that went on a war or something from space which turned made all the dead rise up, so there was a zombie war, but then there's all these we they basically a bit like in Shaun of the Dead where they start using the, the zombies as as slave labor or just as as servants around the house using these necklaces but it's all like very 50s aesthetic if you, you played any of the fallout games you get the idea but it's not as post-apocalyptic as that because everybody's still looking like out the 1950s but with big zombies billy connolly's a zombie with a collar on and it's comedy happens yeah <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's going to be that funny but i remember being quite funny and it's just lots of things about bullies getting to come up and the zombie you know is the zombie befriending the kids or just because of the control but yeah that's fired out from 2006 yeah, I like Fido. I remember I watched it when it came out uh, on video because I think it kind of went straight to video, and I don't, I, I haven't seen it since then. I, I'm, yeah, I can't imagine we ever talked about that on the show, um, but yeah. that's a good one. It's a good movie, definitely worth checking out if you guys haven't seen it. I do enjoy yeah. that also one. Also stars Tim Blake Nelson and Dylan Baker. So there you yeah, go. Good, yeah, good, good, cast. good cast. All right, so um, my number three is actually a tie, which I know is gutsy because we're already like I'm adding extra movies we think we haven't talked about. Um, and after we're done, we'll, we can reveal our lists of other movies that we we considered, but kind of thought yeah, yeah. We talked about. Yeah. But this is as close as I got where I was like, OK, I really thought about it. And I'm, I really don't think we've ever spoken about either of these films because I just don't think they ever made like any top 10 lists or anything like that. It's a Denzel Washington double feature. So you can see why I was a little bit iffy. Ooh, okay. about it, yeah, right? yeah. But it is from 2003. It's out of time. And from 2006, it's deja vu. What do you think? How am I doing? Do do you remember talking about either of those? Well, I'm sure I'm sure we've talked about this before, but deja vu, maybe no pun intended. <laughs> I don't know if we if we have talked about deja vu. I think it was just mentioned in passing. All right, but it's well, just I'll, because I don't know. 
I don't know if you're definite. I feel I yeah, see, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I watched it again recently, but I don't think I've seen it since 2006. So it's one of those again, one of those things where I'm like, ah, did we ever could it ever come up? I mean, I I don't know. So well, I'll tell you about them anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I can. Uh, Out of Time stars uh, Denzel, of course, with Sanaa Lathan, Eva Mendez, Dean Kane. Dean Kane making two appearances on the list. Who who saw that coming? I didn't see um, that one coming. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and John Billingsley. And it's actually a really great little thriller. Uh, he plays um, this like small town Florida Keys cop. And there's like a murder in his town. And it happens to coincide with him having just stolen a bunch of money from like a mob, like from the evidence. And so... He's running around trying to slow down this investigation that the feds are coming in on long enough to get himself out of trouble. And it's incredibly tense. And it's just one of those movies where it is like every time he turns around, there is something where it's like somebody's calling the, the phone and he has to try and like answer it before somebody else does. Or like the fax is coming in and he's trying to pull it off before somebody comes around the corner. And then he goes to the hotel and he's got to turn the corner before the other agent comes and sees him there or else the whole thing is blown. So it's one of these like high wire acts of tension that I think is really well done. And then Deja Vu, which, again, is Denzel with Paula Patton, Jim Caviezel, Val Kilmer, and Bruce Greenwood, is another murder mystery. But this time it's using this technology that can see – is it into the future or into the past? I think it can see into the into the past. It sees, like – but very linearly. Like, you can only see yeah. very certain – times and it's it's all like a fixed clock so like you can't just pick your timeline like you can see like legit like like five hours or five days into the past but that's it exactly five days from whatever time you're at now and they try to figure out this huge terrorist act and then there's a whole murder thing and everything involved with it it's a really neat little like it's mostly more like a mystery thriller but it has that sci-fi element and it's directed by tony scott and that's what makes it great too because tony scott was an amazing action director um so it's a really slick looking film so that's my number three two really good denzel films that i i suspect we at least haven't talked of at least one of them i'm pretty sure the second one may be in passing but i don't know yeah i i'd like the bit in deja vu where he's doing like a car chase and he's got like the, the portable thing where you can see yeah. in the car because they're trying to find out where this car went and as you say it's a fixed point so it's t our time moves the time you can look back mm -hmm. at moves as well so he's got to keep up with it yeah up. obviously there's there's stuff moving in our time as well so right yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty trippy but it's a lot of fun okay good good stuff okay my next one is uh one from 1989 a weird film written and directed by bruce robinson and starring richard e grant i'm rachel ward it's uh, how to get ahead in advertising yeah okay i definitely don't think we talked about that one yeah i've barely uh, even heard of that film well i remember reading about it in uh various magazines and things uh Back in the day, think Empire Magazine, and it was Bruce Robinson who did uh, with Mel and I, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so on. And with Richard E. Grant, so it's uh, it's a weird one. Richard E. Grant's playing like an advertising executive uh, who's losing losing the plot. Basically, uh, he's not as forthright as he used to be, but he starts getting a boil on his shoulder, mm. which develops a face and starts talking to him, and is a bit more starts telling him how to, you know. He needs to put himself together and do this to close the deal, and it eventually gets bigger and bigger until it uh, basically takes takes him over, and his, his his normal head gets smaller. But it's Richard E. Grant as well, but a bit more cruel and wicked and things. But he's in advertising. That seems to be what you need to do. But uh, yeah, it's a very weird one. I, I remember spending ages trying to get to see it because it was one of those ones read about it, came and went to the cinema really quick, and then. Was on video, but I just couldn't get hold of it or see it for a long time. Uh, but then when I did, 
I enjoyed it. It wasn't wasn't amazing, but it was it was a clever little film with some great performances. That's uh, that's my third one. How to get ahead in advertising from 1989. That that sounds very odd, uh, very unique, and definitely not oh, one we've talked yeah. about. Because I think I remember you talking about Richard Grant growing a head out of his shoulder. So um, yeah. nicely done. All right. All right, my number two then is from 2003, and it is Runaway Jury, uh, based on the John Grisham novel, directed by Gary Fletter and starring John Cusack, Rachel Weisz, Gene Hackman, uh, Dustin Hoffman. So Gene Hackman from No Way Out makes an appearance on my list. Um, I don't know that a lot of John Grisham novels have gotten a lot of play on our show or books based on that. I think we probably talked about a couple, like A Time to Kill, and, um, you know, like maybe The Firm, you know, some of the bigger ones. But Runaway Jury was not like a huge hit. Um, and I, I remember liking it when it came out, but I certainly wouldn't have made my top 10 list for 2003 or anything like that. But if I redid 2003, it might because I watched it again recently in the last year or so. And it's it's really good. I mean, I love John Grisham books. I love pretty much every movie based on a John Grisham novel. Um, but this one is really interesting. It's about a jury and it kind of gets into the whole science of jury selection and, and even jury tampering. And there's like this thing going on. We know that John Cusack's trying to influence the jury, but we're not sure how or why or which direction he's going to go in with the verdict. Um, and it's it's really neat, very suspenseful. It builds, there's some good action in it. And then it gets to the end and it's like this really great, powerful ending where you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And it all works out, you know, in a way. And, and I really like it. I think it's a really good film. And like I said, I don't think we've talked about a lot of John Grisham stuff. Maybe that's a future top five, like our top five. Yeah. John yeah. Grisham adaptations um but i don't believe we've ever talked about it correct me if i'm wrong Phil. no i don't think we have either i think i saw that a few two or three years ago as well yeah uh, yeah it's really uh, good i think the john grisham films i always enjoy them when i'm watching them but then mm-hmm. they seem to just i don't know i don't forget them but they just seem to fade. i don't know whether they just i think they're i think they're decent films but i don't think many of them are actually just you know next level and go make you go oh Although when you watch some of them at the time, you go in, oh, that's really good. Yeah, you know, I've, I don't I've, know what it is. I, I don't know. That's interesting because I've actually rewatched almost all of the John Grisham movies in the last like year or two in my in my COVID watching. Um, I've watched almost every John Grisham adaptation that I could get my hands on, and um, I think they're all pretty surprisingly good. I, I like I yeah. I almost yeah. feel like they're like sort of forgotten. Like why haven't we had it? Like we had a whole string of them in the '90s of all these John Grisham book, movies, and then they stopped making them, and we haven't had any in like. 20 years and it's like why his books are still great and the movies are all great and they're all huge hits um but i actually i've rewatched a bunch of them and i think all of them are really good there isn't a one of them that i was like yeah that was okay like the the client the chamber the uh, the, the rainmaker the firm uh a time to kill was the pelican uh, brief one as well pelican brief uh, all of them i think are really good i think they hold up really well i mean are they are they complete absolute masterpieces like oh my gosh this is the best movie i've ever seen no, but are all they all just like really good, enjoyable, like legal thrillers that I think, you know, with great casts and great performances? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's I don't know why that is. They do get, I think, somewhat unfairly forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're all solid movies. And as you say, they, they always have really good casts involved. Yeah. As well. yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to go back and rewatch some myself. Okay. Uh, my next one is, uh, pardon me, is uh, from 1993. And it's like a, a noir movie, but it's like a Western kind of thing. But it's Red Rock West, starring Nicolas Cage, Laura Flynn Boyle. Hmm, okay. Definitely I don't, don't think we talked about that one. No, we have, no. I don't think I've ever heard, heard of that. Well, and J.T. Walsh, a really good uh, cast. It's uh, Nicolas Cage. He's playing a bit a drifter, going around, ends up in, where is it, Wyoming. Yeah, Red Rock in Wyoming. 
uh, gets involved with like femme fatale, dodgy businessman, things like that. It's typical film noir, but it's really, really, it's, it's got Dennis Hopper in as well. Not quite doing his uh, Blue Velvet kind of thing, but he, right, you know, it's called Dennis he, he can be creepy and Nicolas Cage is the hero, but it's Nicolas Cage, so he's a little bit, anyway, but it's, I, I remember, I've not seen it in a long time, but I remember it's, a, again, it's a solid film, bit of a mystery, who's who, is he going to get out, is everybody going to die, things like that. It was a good one to uh, to watch, and I must, I feel like revisiting it, I, I remember, there's something about it, I can't quite remember whether it was brilliant or whether the ending was a bit of a disappointment, but it's uh, that's my fourth film on this list. All right, very good. Okay, well, that brings us to my number one then. And this is, again, I ranked mine in order, so this is definitely a number one for me because it was a movie that I remember liking when it came out, but, you know, I was like, okay, and then I pretty much forgot about it. And, I, again, that's why I don't think I ever mentioned it before, but I rewatched it not that long ago. Common theme here, obviously. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a really, really good film. Um, and it is from 2006. It's The Guardian, um, starring Kevin Costner, uh, as well as Ashton Kutcher, Clancy Brown, Neil McDonough, and Melissa Sage Miller. Um, and it basically is Top Gun in the Coast Guard. Um, oh, it is, yeah, I, I remember the trailer for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Ashton Kutcher playing the the Tom Cruise, the cocky young guy who thinks he's you know gonna be the best Coast Guard rescue diver. And these are the guys who go out in like the high seas and the hurricanes to rescue people. And Kevin Costner is like the grizzled old veteran who's teaching him, but you know really wants to be out there. Um, so it's very much out of the Top Gun playbook. But here's the thing, you know, Top Gun is a great movie. And the Guardian does it really well. Like it does the Top Gun thing, but it does it in the Coast Guard. And it's actually a really good film. It's got all it's got your training montages. It's got your, you know, characters having to bond that don't like each other. You know, it, it's got some really great action sequences, some great rescue sequences, really good special effects. Like most everything is like real shot on water. Like there's some storm sequences that are like, holy cow, that's some scary stuff, you know. Um, and I thought I loved it. Honestly, I really loved it. Kevin Costner's great because, of course, he's my favorite actor. Um, Ashton Kutcher actually does a really good job with the dramatic role. It's got a little romance. It's got some humor. It's definitely dramatic. It's got some great action. Um, it's directed by Andrew Davis, who directed The Fugitive and some other really good films. So, okay. like, you know, it's got a pedigree to it. Um, it. It did OK at the box office. It, was, it wasn't a big hit, but I think it's really a pretty overlooked film. I think if you really want just like a, a good you know, dramatic action movie in that Top Gun vein. I'm going to refer to that as that because that's the closest comparison. But in that kind of like, you're like, okay, okay, I've seen Top Gun again. I've watched Maverick. Now what? I want something else like that. Check out The Guardian. I think it's I think it's a really great film. I think people will enjoy it a lot. And I'm pretty sure I've never mentioned it before. Um, we've just had a comment about it as well. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I love comments. Let's see what we got. Makes me, uh, Christine says, makes me want to watch The Guardian. You should because you will really enjoy it. It's an awesome movie and I think you will like it. So definitely, definitely. Yeah, we want to watch it now because I remember seeing the trailer uh, back in the day when it came out. But I, I know I've never got, got to watch it. I don't know what yeah. the reason was. I don't know whether well, it was like I, some people could be a bit snobbish with Ashton Kutcher, but I, I liked him in Butterfly Effect and things like that. But yeah, I don't know why it slipped. I mean, he's not going to win any Oscars for his performance, but he, he, he's solid in his performance. He plays the role well. He's playing, you know, a, a, a cocky young guy but but there's some dramatic stuff to him also i think he does a really good job with it but if you've never had the chance to see it phil i, I do think you'll really like it it's it's yeah. um 
it's a surprisingly good film. You know, it didn't last that long in theaters, so that's probably why. I know I saw it on video. I didn't get to see it in the theaters. Um, but it's, uh, like I said, unfairly overlooked, in my opinion. So highly recommended. Well, I shall try and track that down on streaming, see if it's uh, popping up or if anybody yeah, knows yeah, which one sure. anywhere. I know it was on one of the services because I watched it not that long ago on streaming. I'm not sure which one, though, but take a look around. You might find it. Okay, have a look. Okay. Well, my last film on this list of films we've not spoken about. Is it the last one? Yes. It should be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's one. This is the one which I'm not sure whether I have or not. Okay. Uh, but it's uh, it's from 2007 and Spanish. It's a Spanish science fiction time travel movie. It's called Time I know which one it is. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, or Los Crono Criminals. So okay. Apologies for my rubbish pronunciation, but it's uh, directed by Nacho Vigalondo. And again, apologies. Mm -hmm. for my, uh, but, uh, no, you got that one, one right. Yeah, it's okay. It's a guy who uh, witnesses, uh, he's, he's in the countryside with his wife, and then he he's witnesses a murder, and then he's chased by a guy wearing pink bandages around his head, and then he discovers a time machine, and it goes twisty-turny, and you're going, what's going on? And then as it goes on, you're going, oh, this is going on. And it's really, really good, really clever. Uh, they've really thought it out. It's, it's probably one of the it's a it's a time travel film where they've really thought hard. I'd hate to see what the the, the notes were. They must have had so many diagrams working <laughs> out what was going on. But it's uh, I just remember really enjoying it. I I don't think that will have popped up in my two thousand and seven best of though. This this but, is uh, the yeah. one I, I'm not gonna ding you on it because I don't remember for sure. But I feel like maybe it's come up before. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like we maybe have talked about time crimes at some point. So, and it mm. might be, cause I remember kind of like, I liked it a lot in the beginning by the end of the film. I didn't like it as much or something about it that I don't know exactly. Like it's a good film, but it's sort of, I don't remember if I think it was too confusing or it was too dark or something. I didn't love I think, it. I think it does. It does get dark at the end and you start going, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, but because it starts I, off quite, again, uh, again, I, I don't, yeah, I won't swear to it. So I'm not going to take points off for you, but I think there's a chance we may have talked about this one. Yeah, but that's uh, that's my Just last film, two thousand and seven. Still worth time it. Yeah. All right, nice job. There we go. Nice job. All right. Do you want to throw out some of your kind of honorable mentions, ones that you 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 know thought of? Well, there was of, one I was you know, maybe thought we had talked about. Yeah, there was one that popped into my head, but as you're a big fan of the monkeys, I'm sure we have. But had the film they made. Oh right, I don't know if we ever ever talked about that actually. I know that's one I can't remember, but I know you're a big fan. Of the monkeys, but well, I like the monkeys. Well. I am, but I, I believe it or not, I have yet to watch Head. I've never actually seen oh, it. Oh, okay. So well, it's maybe my, I have it, but I haven't watched it yet. I really like it, but I can see why people don't like it. Yeah. Uh, one of ones, Earth Girls Are Easy, Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum. Right, right. And Damon Wayans as big, uh, colorful aliens. Uh, another film starring Jeff Goldblum was a, a 1989 British romantic comedy called The Tall Guy, hmm. which was the debut of screenwriter Richard Curtis. Oh, interesting. All three stars, Emma Thompson and Rowan Atkinson. I remember at the time it was all right, but it's one of those ones I don't think it will have aged well, but I've not seen it in a while. Right. Uh, and what was the other one? Uh, I'll just give one more. Uh, Naked Lunch. Mm. David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch. But if anybody's talked about it before, I will have. But I, I was going to say, I, I feel like that. I don't think we did anything extensive on it, but I think it's come up before. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned how I went to the cinema to see it. Because right. it's a very weird film starring Peter Oliver. Right. Yeah, there we go. 
What about All you? Right. What are, almost. Um, I have uh, Shooter from 2007 with Mark Wahlberg, but I think I might have done that in one of our last five films we watched. It definitely wouldn't have been my top lists because um, I didn't like it that much the first time around, but I liked it a lot more this time around. Yeah, Cradle to the Grave with um, DMX and Jet Li, which I also think may have been in one of our last five movies we watched, but it's a really good and very underrated action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave from 1993 with Kevin Costner as the, oh, the president's twin, but I feel like that's come up at some point. No, Ke- not Kevin Costner, Kevin Klein. That, Kevin Klein, I meant. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, that's... Oof. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But again, I couldn't remember. Um, the Pelican Brief, another John Grisham. But And I also was like, well, okay, three Denzel films seems like a little bit of a, <laughs> a cheat. So um, so I, I left that one. And again, I felt like it maybe had come up before. Um, the Net with Sandra Bullock, a, a 1995 um, thriller that I really like. And I almost made it on the list. And that one might have just gotten edged out because I don't know if it's ever come up before. I don't think so. Um, but funny enough, I was listening to another podcast earlier today with the playing a role-playing yeah. game. And they just... They mentioned Sandra Bullock's the net. Really? What was going on? Twice today. Huh. That's bizarre. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the big one, because I know I had not yet seen it when we did our 1950 episode, our top 10 films in 1950. Um, but I figured you might have had, had it. And I wasn't sure what the rules were as far as whether you talked about it, but I didn't. But then I was like, maybe I mentioned it after I watched it. So it was Sunset Boulevard which I only watched for the first time last year, but I was blown away by it. And I really wanted to include it, but I was like, we must have talked about it at some point. I think we did. I think you might have discussed when you watched it or something. Right. Maybe after I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, I just watched this for the first time. Yeah. And it was great. I was maybe no, That's a brilliant film. That well worth. Yeah. Yeah. Watching. So those were my close, but not quite because I think we talked about them at some point. So, yeah, that was good though. Good fun. And we'll have to do it again as well at some point because yeah, of the films. Oh, definitely. That was the ones I could think of today, and I kind of mostly based on the things I've been kind of rewatching over the last three years, and I, the ones that I was like, "Oh, these are good." I know I never because I didn't think that much of them the first time, but now I kind of like them. You know that kind of thing. But I think if I spent a little more time, you know, digging back a little further, I probably would. Uh, I probably would come up with some other things as well. So we can definitely revisit this one. Yeah, yeah, good future. stuff. Yeah, nice job. And if, right. uh, hold on, if any uh, listeners or viewers. If there's, if you know of any films we've not spoken about, or there's any films you want us to do, uh, go after the ending for, let us know. You can leave messages now, or email us, or just leave comments somewhere if you're listening or watching this, and just say, do this film." It's always good to hear that, and we can, we can always see what we can make of it if we haven't already done it. Absolutely. All right. So that is our top five movies we've never talked about on the show before. Uh, and that will bring us to our final segment for the evening, which is our ATE recommends. Um, Phil, uh, yeah. what do you you want to go? Who you want to go first? Or we go first. What do we got? What do you think? Uh, Ed, you want? Do you want to go first? This one? Sure. Then I don't mind. Yeah, totally. All right, I only have one today. It is not a movie, but it is a TV show, um, and it's fairly new. But I'm going to show it to you anyway. I'm going to let me. Okay. I'm going to zoom in here for a second. And here's what we got. It's on my phone, of course, but it is Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus. Guys, seriously, if you have not been watching Ms. Marvel, you are missing out on the most fun show of the year. It is hands down the best show Marvel has done yet, in my opinion. Of all their, you know, their show shows between like Loki and WandaVision and all that. Um, Ms. Marvel, hands down, it's the most fun. It is amazing. 
Um, it's it's the the girl that they cast to play Miss Marvel or Kamala Khan. Her real name is absolutely brilliant. She is fearless. She is funny. She is painfully cringy sometimes, like like a teenager should be. She's awesome. The story is great. The humor and the style of the show. It's like got that that really clever editing like you see in some of those movies now with like little bits of animation and like some really cool shots and it's so funny and like but and and what i really like about it too i have to say is kudos to marvel you know the comic book character has always been very steeped in her background as a you know a muslim character um and that's part i think why she's become so popular because the book always talked about her family and like the holidays and all they never shied away from that stuff and the show man good credit to marvel they really dig into that they're not hiding it they're not whitewashing it it's like almost every character on the show is of middle eastern descent and they talk about the holidays they wear the the, the clothes they have the best clothes and like their weddings are awesome and like the music and stuff it's so cool but they're really <clears throat> they're really digging into that and staying true to the character and her roots and i love that because i learn a lot about the culture it's a fascinating culture it's it's interesting to watch and i just think that's very brave in this day and age for marvel to do that and but beyond all that, it's just a really, really fun show. You just watch it with a big smile on your face the whole time. I absolutely love it. Um, Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus. If you're not watching it, you're missing out on what is probably my favorite show of the year. Excellent. I haven't actually started watching it yet because there's been lots of other things. I've been finishing off, just finished Bosch Legacy, which is really good. But it's mm -hmm. one I want to get into. I, I'm even more uh, looking forward to it now after what you've been saying. And my brother was talking about it as well. Yeah, today. I think he'll really like it. Think how we liked it. I've seen a few people comparing it to. You mentioned a bit the different styles and things, saying it's almost a bit like uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the way mm -hmm. changing the tone and the animation things. Just to, yeah, that kind of thing. It's you know what I think I would also compare it to, um, except that it's not a terrible uh, show. Um, but Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Like if you like that kind of visual style, that's kind of the thing they do in Miss Marvel. Except Miss Marvel is actually a likable character, unlike Scott Pilgrim, who is completely unlikable. But that's a whole another discussion for another time. Um, but so like it's that kind of style, and and it works so well in the show. So yeah, definitely recommended. Good stuff. Okay, that's good to know. Well, I, I've got a couple of recommendations. All righty, let me zoom in here so you can show stuff. Okay, right. this one was a Kickstarter that came. It's a role playing game called Into the Odd from uh, Bastion Land Press, and it's gorgeous. Uh, Bastion Land Press and via Free League Publishing, and it's by Chris McDowell with gorgeous artwork by Johan Noor or Noir, but it's Into the Odd, and you are... It's a rules-light, flavor-heavy role-playing game of industrial horror and cosmic strangeness, and you're basically going into, the, into or under the city of Bastion, to find artifacts and things and just try and survive but it's just it's just the lovely artwork yeah that's really cool looking. Really... it doesn't look like your typical role-playing game that's for sure oh no it's just it's not it's just uh, it's just it's the rules are nice and simple but it's it's obviously the oh, more yeah. the more the players put into it the more you're going to get out of it because it is when it's rules light it's a bit if you're not played role-playing games before it can be a bit intimidating but if you're get stuck into it it can be really satisfying uh, it comes with a few uh adventures or cool. more like I maps like and frameworks in different places loads of tables you can go through loads of bizarreness and you just it's just one of those ones you can just dive into and read even if you never get to play it you can pick and choose bits to use in your other games but that's uh, that's the first one uh that's just it got delivered last week Excellent. but i think it's now i'll take buy it as well as I say, from Freely Publishing, we've done lots of good things like uh, 
the alien role playing game, the One Ring, and other bits and things. And the other thing oh, is yeah, right, right. ET, the extraterrestrial light years oh, from home game from Funko Games. Nice. Uh, I just cool. played this for the first time tonight down at a game shop, Bulwark Games, with my brother and a friend, a couple of friends. Uh, but it's it's real good fun. You're basically one of the kids uh, cycling around trying to get uh, items to build the device to send messages to ET's mothership. But it comes your little uh, you all got a character. Uh -huh, nice. It. It's not, uh, but there you go. And also comes with a little uh, ET. Well, of course, you gotta have ET, right? But, uh, it's not gonna focus in on that. But That's... the nice thing is, as well, it uh, pops in there. But it's <laughs> it's real good. It's got some. Nice chunky bits of strategy because as you're moving around, you've got the agents moving around coming towards you. If you roll, if you roll their uh, symbols on dice, and you, you have cards which can I mean you can you know do the flying bit in the in the bike to avoid stuff. Uh, right. There's cop cars going around. It comes with a, a cool little life meter for ET there with his heart symbol. You've got to change that, but it's real good fun. Uh, it's a good probably a good gateway game to go on to bigger more complex game but it's it's not a simple little game it's got a, it's got some nice little touches and things so it's uh, a good fun game for all the family and we okay. played it at the full count it's two to four players I like but I that. think it's, uh, you can get it in the states in target I don't think it's out yet hey I'm not quite sure but Funko I was just on ad or something about it. I think I saw something on social about it today, actually. And I was like, oh, that's neat. It looks like a fun game. I hadn't hadn't really heard about it. So that's I was just thinking about it today. And then here you go. You pull it out. Yeah. So that's cool. Worth checking out. Nice figures and things like that. And uh, I like yeah. it. There you go. Always looking for good games. Very cool. All right. So there you go. Those are our recommendations this week. Um, and that is going to start to wrap up our episode. Uh, I told you guys I was excited about it. I think that came through. I had a lot of fun. How about you, Phil? Oh, it was real good fun. I like that. I like the endings. I like the list. And I like that. What was the name of that Kickstarter again, Mike? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Phil. Uh, let me uh, let me tell you what it is. Um, it is Red, White, and Broke. Uh, and you can find that this link here. If you're if you're not looking at the screen, I'll, it's tinyurl.com slash rwbbook. Or just go to Kickstarter, search for my name, Mike Spring, or Red, White, and Broke, and you will find it. It is the current... 120 page graphic novel we need your help to fund it uh, we're about halfway there but we still have a long ways to go uh, it's gonna be a beautiful book with tons of extra materials and great big name artists and a really fun story so please check out red white and broke on kickstarter right now that's running through july 21st so still got some time it is a good read i've enjoyed it it's got good artwork it's got a great story um even if i didn't know mike i would still pick it up and have a read of it I appreciate I, that. I just like the concept and everything. And it's had some great... Uh, uh, was it Jim Shooter? Jim Shooter gave yeah. me a real nice um, uh, um, blurb for the book that's going to be on the cover of this book. I also got some nice blurbs from uh, Scott Labdell, who wrote Happy Death Day and has like a, I mean, written every big book, comic book you can imagine, like X-Men and Teen Titans and all that stuff. And then uh, Todd DeZago, who was uh, the writer of Amazing Spider-Man and Telos, uh, he gave me a real nice quote about how much he enjoyed the book. So some, some pretty big names have, have endorsed it. And I'll be just a quick comment I'll just show because why not christine says she pledged thanks there we go appreciate that that's that is awesome and it, it will be a huge help so thank you very much thank you thank you thank you and it's uh what's today's date as we're recording this it is, it is. the 28th of june how many more yeah. days are left on the kickstarter so about three weeks it runs through july 21st so even if you're listening to this after the fact uh if it's if you're listening before july 21st 2022 there's still time to pledge so please do yeah. check that out 
And for those listening on audio podcast, it's the URL is tinyurl.com slash rwbbook. There you go. All right. So enough of the plugs for today, but thank you guys for putting up with those. But we got to get them in. Look, we don't do advertising on this show. So once in a while, you got to put up with us pledging, you know, plugging one of our Kickstarters. You know, what can I do? It's okay. I got to get it out there. Um, but thank you all for listening. As always, we had a lot of fun tonight. Hopefully you guys did too. We will be back in two weeks as usual with more movie goodness, more lists, more recommendations. So uh, stay tuned, come back, and uh, we'll see you guys not too far in the future. All right. Um, anything you want to add, Phil? I think we've covered it all, but we'll be back next time with lots more films and fun. You got it. All righty. Well, then in that case, thank you all for listening. My name is Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.